Our sponsor for the month of March is the Modern Farmstead. The Modern Farmstead began in 2020 when owner Jen's passion for natural living and gardening exploded. The Modern Farmstead produces authentic, purely clean diffuser blends as well as other products. She gives ease and confidence in using essential oils without feeling intimidated or overwhelmed by many different varieties and costs that there are out there. All are made with only premium quality oils that are safe to use inside your home. Ordering is simple. Just message the Modern Farmstead Instagram page letting them know which product you're excited to try next. Ransom? is here with me while we're doing this ad. You know that blend that I've been going, diffusing in the house, that smell? It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it it is. It smells very good. I am using the Welcome Home blend today in our house, and it smells so warm. (laughs) I love this blend. It's like, it kind of reminds me of something baking in the oven. That's kind of what it reminds me of, cookies or something like that. It smells really good. Reminds me of popcorn. Popcorn? Ransom's favorite food is popcorn. So that's a pretty big compliment to the Modern Farmstead. (laughs) Thank you, Modern Farmstead, for sponsoring this month. Go check them out. Thanks. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hey everybody, welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. I am here with my friend Margot. You guys probably remember Margot from an episode that we did on traditional cooking. Riley and Margot are a big part of our life, so I'm very excited to be talking to you today. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. So we're going to do an icebreaker, something yummy that we've cooked recently or something food related since Margot has so much food knowledge. I'm going to grasp at a few of those things before we talk about what we're actually talking about today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. So we actually are purchasing half hogs around here. We have so much beef, right? We have cows all around you. Yeah. So we eat beef all the time. But one thing that I realized in our diet is we have a lot of pork, but it's not very good quality because our only source around here is Walmart. So I got on on this website called wild eats or eatwild.com. And you can find places around you, small farms that sell pasture raised porks and you can buy from them. So I found one just like 60 miles away and I, I'm well, purchasing awesome. I know I'm so pumped, but that means I have to make bacon and ham and all that stuff. I've never done that before. So yeah. I'm so looking forward to that. That's cool. So it's already butchered and everything and you guys just go and get, is that how it works? It, it's still alive. At the oh, time. it is still alive. Okay. Are you <laughs> yeah. guys butchering it? No, okay. no, we're going to have someone butcher it in Kansas and then we'll go pick it up and then we'll, we'll process it. So I didn't, we could, we could have a hog, but Riley just isn't into that. Yeah. We have the space and the fencing and the, we just haven't, (laughs) it it takes him to be on board and I can't do it myself. So he's like, I just don't have the capacity for that yet. Went on there and I found someone else that is raising hogs. So I'm really excited to, I think I even get the head too. I have had head cheese before. Have you had head cheese? No. No, it is so good. It's probably one of my like favorite foods and it sounds so disgusting and I was so apprehensive when I tried it when my friends made it so it's like brain and what else what do you do with the brain um you can do the brain separate and still make head cheese but mostly you just like you can't include the brain but you you cut the, the skull up and you like just boil it down slow cook it and it gets like all the cheek fat and like all the muscles in the face and the eyeballs and things and it just cooks it down to like 
basically it's a spread that you would put on bread or crackers. So it just gets it all to a mush that you can spread on things. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I bet it's good because anything with a lot of fat in it is delicious. So yeah. Yeah. And my friend that made it, she threw in like a ton of herbs. It was really delicious. Yeah. I hope to get her recipe and try that. I just saw um, on Instagram the other day, someone making like a marrow spread for sourdough mm-hmm. bread that you put on sourdough bread. And mm-hmm. I always just use my marrow bones to make uh, broth. I just like roast them a little bit and then throw them in the crock pot to make broth with. But I was like, oh, next time I do that, I'm going to roast the bones and then like scoop the marrow out, spread it on sourdough and then use the bones for broth. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard of people doing that for like first foods for babies. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's cool. Um, so I, I think I, you commented maybe on Instagram, but I got, uh, I didn't make it, but I got the pate and gave it to Providence for one of her first foods. And it was like, she loved it so much. And we ate it on sourdough too. It was very good. Yes. Yes. We love pate. I got to make it at some point because I have all the liver and like, I have so much in the freezer that I should just make it at some point, but I haven't yet, but yeah, it was delicious. But Jared's like, she smells very bad. Because it's like a baby finger food pate that just stayed with her for hours. You know, she was like, her breath smelled like liver, (laughs) but she was very happy. (laughs) She's quite the meat eater. Like her meat is her favorite thing to eat. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you said pork and it made me think there's some guys from our church. They're thinking about going on a hunt for wild boar. And I think it's in Mississippi in September. And so that maybe if Jared gets one, then we'll like split it with other families, but that will be our pork for the year. Oh, how nice. I I was going to say I've had it before and I haven't been able to tell a difference, but it's probably the way it's processed also. So I'm curious if this one will taste any different than like porky by the store. (laughs) Riley has a really crazy story where he was on a four wheeler and he dove off of it. Well, him and his brother, they found a wild boar in our pasture. Okay. And they got on their four wheeler and Riley dove off the four wheeler and tackled this one. <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> and you said it was awful. You said that was the worst thing. And then what happened after it was tackled? Then what? <laughs> they brought her in and they pinned her up and they fattened her and ate her. But yes. she wasn't really awesome. good tasting. So she was I'm, not good tasting. That's what they said. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have it, to ask his mom. Yeah, it probably depends because I'm like, who knows what it's been eating? And I know that affects what an animal will taste like too. It's just like a wild, a wild animal. But I yeah. guess wild boar, like, were at some point probably domesticated in this area that they're in now and have gotten wild and then just reproduced. So they're overrun with wild boar. So I'm like, hmm. Just interesting. We'll see. We'll see what it tastes like. But I'm yeah. always skeptical of like any wild game that Jared says he's going to hunt. I'm like, it's not going to taste good. And then I always like it. There really hasn't been hardly anything that I haven't liked other than squirrel. I'm like, yeah, it's tough. And there was like shot in it. So like, that grossed me out. <laughs> but everything else we've ate, like rabbit was awesome. Bear was amazing. It tastes like beef. Yeah. We love venison. Like every, the turkey was fantastic. So I've had to eat my words many times. <laughs> So, so hopefully wild boar will fill our freezer for the $40 tag and it'll be a great experience. We'll see. That's cheap, cheap, cheap meat and good. Yeah. Like organic pork. I mean, it's just like Roman free out there. 
something interesting and yummy I'm making today is hopefully yummy. Um, so our fellow pastor at Christchurch, Andy, he gave us a cookbook, Paul Prudhomme, I think is his last name. And he's like a famous Cajun chef and is one of Andy's favorite chefs. So I am making a uh, gumbo tonight. It's like sausage and chicken and peppers and over rice. So we'll see. I've never made anything like that before. I one time tried to make like a kind of like a gumbo, but like shrimp. And I don't know. I think there's different terms for different kind of Cajun things. But tonight it's sausage and chicken and peppers and onions and like a gravy type stuff over rice. Oh, that sounds really good. Hopefully, we love yeah. Gumbo. yeah, Jared does too. He really likes it. So hopefully it's good. But Margo is not here today to talk only about food, although we could probably talk the entire time about food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's actually here today to talk to me about dress, about feminine dress, about um, enjoying femininity in our dress and about modesty and everything surrounding that. Margot dresses adorable. Her children dress adorable. I love the way that you guys dress and you style them. So, um, and I know that this is a topic that you've thought about a lot um, and that you've read about. So, yeah, Margot's here and we're going to chat about that. And I just got finished reading Christian Modesty and the Public Undressing of America by Jeff Pollard, which is a book that has been circulating around and mentioned a lot in recent days. I feel like this is a topic that is like very much in the reformed life right now. Everyone's thinking about modesty, talking about modesty. So I wanted to talk about it too and see what we thought about it. And then also just... Um, Sometimes I think modesty, you it gets pinned in a what not to do thing mm -hmm. instead of like in a proactive, beautiful mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I want to think about modesty, not in a don't, 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 but like a in a proactive, how can I glorify God in my dress? And oh. it being in that category in my brain rather mm -hmm. than a restrictive, like feeling like it's a restrictive term, um, although it does come with wisdom and what we don't do obviously. Um, I think that it also should be like everything that God commands restricts or prohibits for us. It should be a gift to us and yeah. a blessing for women. You were saying something about, well, when we were talking on Voxer, you were saying something about just dressing pretty and dress and making it a normal thing for you at home, even though someone may not see you. So you start there. Okay. Well, this is something important to me. Like aesthetics has always been important to me in every area of my life ever since I was a young child. And I've talked about that before. Um, I grew up in a home that the way things appeared was just important. My mom always tried to make things beautiful, whether it be from clothing and herself to our home and our table and our, our beds and everything. She just pursued like a really lovely home. Um, and I definitely caught that vision very early on that there is art and everything um, in the way that we dress and especially. So, um, I, I like thinking about that. I like thinking about beauty and clothing and, um, and style. And I've always been interested in fashion. So I think that, um, when it comes to that, we shouldn't neglect the home as the first, um, priority for our beauty. I think it's so easy as a woman to get caught in like, well, if I'm going out with my girlfriends, then I get like really dolled up for that. And I'm totally guilty of it too. And I don't know why. I don't know why it's like, oh, I'm going out with my girlfriends tonight. So I'm like wearing the cutest outfit. My makeup's like totally done. <laughs> or if I'm at home that rarely I'm not like all dolled up for at home, which I mean, a lot of that is like practicality because home yeah. I'm working really hard every day. So I'm not going to like always have on something frilly when I'm at home. Um, 
But I think that we should be giving our best to our family, our husbands in particular, and our children, being a blessing to them with our beauty. And you had that really good quote. I want you to read that really good quote too. Yeah. Yeah, So Lexi actually mentioned this book on one of your book review podcasts. And I actually had been reading it last year before she even mentioned it. And so when she said that, I was like, oh, I got to get back in it because I sit down for a bit. But um, there is a quote in it about just the same thing. And let me, it's a little bit long, so bear with me. It has been said that the wife should always leave something to be revealed only to her husband, some modest charm, some secret grace reserved solely for his delight and inspiration. Like those flowers, which give of their sweetness only to the hand that lovingly gathers them. She should always care more to please him than any other person in the world. She should prize more highly a compliment from his lips than from any other human lips. Therefore, she should reserve for him the sweetest charms. She should seek to bring ever to him some new surprise of loveliness. She should plan pleasures and delights for him and instead of not caring how she looks or whether she is agreeable or not when no one but her husband is present, she should always be at her best for him. I love that. I, think, I do too. I love it too. It's, it's a really good like inspiration like you said like not talking bad about it but giving a vision for what it could be because mm-hmm. and we all know our husband's seen us at our worst especially if we've given birth and- yeah yeah <laughs> or ever had the stomach flu like <laughs> yeah yeah we had our I had stomach flu the night after our wedding so. oh no Margo <laughs> yeah it, it was so bad and it was you know awfully coming out of both him and he was so sweet <laughs> like Congratulations. Welcome to the honeymoon. I have stomach flu. (laughs) It was pretty awful, but yeah, like I think that we should still not, not just think, okay, so our husband has seen us at our worst and he still loves us at our worst, which is a huge blessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We should still continue to try to be lovely in front of him to honor him. And like you said, like to be a joy to our family Mm -hmm. and, and to take it as like a good challenge. There are times when, of course, like especially in that newborn phase, when you have a newborn, you're like, Oh, barely surviving. Yeah. You're just, Mm -hmm. it's hard to shower. Like you're just trying to figure out new rhythms of life. And Mm -hmm. like, there's for those times you got to like, do consider it a challenge worthy of your efforts to like look pretty and smell good and wear something lovely. I completely agree with you on that one. That is not where I came from. So I have two older brothers and I know you have brothers too, but mm-hmm. for some reason I took on the like tomboy mm-hmm. persona and my mom always wanted me to dress like in fur, like frills and lovely. And I just never took to it. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was rebellious in that nature, but mm-hmm. so even in college, I wasn't, I didn't grow up a Christian. I wasn't a Christian, but like I dressed promiscuous mostly looked more like a little bit of a hooker than <laughs> but the, and then like also boy side so like those were my two outfit styles so it was like a whole new paradigm shift now like getting married and looking lovely and I not until having a daughter have I really been challenged in not looking androgynous kind of like gender neutral or more yeah. like a man because she really recognizes if I wear something feminine. She especially can recognize like, oh, that skirt or the, that pattern you're wearing is really pretty. Or she'll go to my closet and be like, mom, wear this. And she'll pick out my like prettiest dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> she's constantly trying to get me to put on this like really floral shawl that I don't love so much. <laughs> But she loves it. She's like, this is the best thing you own. <laughs> I won't forget. I think we were in Illinois when this happened in the camper and she, I put on like, it was really cold in there. Heat was out. And I put on like all these sweats, like mm-hmm. the biggest sweatshirt I had and like two layers of sweatpants. And she was like, mom, you look like a boy. <laughs> she's two. And she yeah. said that. And I don't even know where she, she's never heard that before. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I think it, for her, it, she's just keyed into what is pretty Mm-hmm. So it's challenged me because I want her, I want her to grow up looking lovely and looking pretty and dressing like a girl and not a boy. I think especially in our culture right now where yeah, it's important. It's important. So, and the, the proverbs you know are so full of teaching our teaching men what like a bad woman is. Mm-hmm. I don't want my daughter to or me to like someone look at our Instagram or something and a Christian mother point it out and say that's a bad woman you know you can right. go through some that's Christian. not a wise woman yeah yeah that's not a wise woman that is mm-hmm. a bad woman to be aware of like mm-hmm. you, you want to dress in a way that says like you believe in abstinence before marriage and mm-hmm. you are protecting something that's worthy of only sharing in marriage yeah um, so a couple things I thought of while you're talking was, um, so with modesty, I think it's important to think of like our bodies aren't our own, that we don't have the freedom or liberty to sin with our bodies, but, but Christ calls us to glorify God with our bodies because we were bought with a price because Christ now owns us, that we're slaves to him, that we aren't our own, that we don't just get to do whatever we want with whatever idea that we have. And then also, if you're a married woman, that your body actually belongs to your husband and your husband's body belongs to you. So that we should glorify God as we honor one another in our dress. I should be honoring my husband, however I am dressing. So like in the home, I should honor him by trying to pursue loveliness and beauty in what I wear here. Um, and that also I should um, honor him when I am out by dressing modestly and, mm-hmm. and not giving to others a preview of what I only should be giving to him. Um, so I should be mindful that like God gave me to Jared and there is special uh gifts and glories that are only within our marriage. And, um, and like to have him prize that is like a beautiful thing for me too. Like that's, that should be a blessing to me to see him glory and only me. Um, so I think that it's important to think about that. Like we aren't our own, we are Christ's. So glorify him in our body. So don't sin in our immodesty. Um, and I think with modesty, we can think of it as like, well, it's a Christian conscience issue of like what clothing items are allowed in your family or whatever. And, but then like, but modesty itself is not a Christian conscience issue. Like it's for all Christians for all of time to be modest that we don't get to say like, well, I think it's okay to show a lot of cleavage. No, there are clear lines that all Christian women should draw. And it's, there are parts of our body that first Corinthians talks about first Corinthians 12, 34 talks about parts of our body that we bestow special honor to, or special modesty to. Mm -hmm. And in some ways like that, if you're a Christian woman, that I'm, I I don't know. I'm saying it should be kind of like a, uh, like we should know 
Like we don't show off your butt, your (laughs) boobs. Like there's certain areas of our body that we should not be showing off. But then if it's not an area that you just know, there should be older women in your life that are able to step in and disciple you in that. So we were talking about a little bit, like what if this happened at Christ church, if someone came in a new person that was like very immodest or something, what would we do? And we would first assume that maybe they weren't a Christian, that they needed the gospel and that they needed to be changed from the inside out. Um, and that like the fruit of the spirit would then come forward, that self-control and awareness of those things would come from the gospel being shared and God changing their heart. But then also discipleship would need to come like someone would need to come alongside that woman and be like, Hey, do you have modest clothes at your house? Cause if not, I would love to take you. Let's like, just really practically let's go shopping together. Let's talk about that. Let's go through your wardrobe, you know, just being really practically in one another's lives to help each other. And if a woman was a new believer and didn't know how to go about that, that maybe she would pursue a relationship with an older woman that could help her in that. Yeah. I think that's all really good. I think, you know, the, the spirit manifested like the, the fruit of the spirit manifests itself in this work. I think it's a common thought that women will say like, oh, it's just, it's a hard issue. Modesty is just a hard issue when, yeah, it is a hard issue, but it also manifests itself in how you wear your clothes mm-hmm. and how you present your body. So I think what you said is really good there. Yeah. Um, I liked in this book, he says, However, having said that, modesty is not first an issue of clothing. It is primarily an issue of the heart. And if the heart is right with God, it will govern itself in purity coupled with humility and express itself in modesty. So like you said, it goes hand in hand. It's a heart issue, but it also also practically works out in things, in tangible clothing that covers our tangible real life flesh and bone body with real life boobs and butts. <laughs> like, like this is real life and we have to actually practice work it out and help each other in that sometimes yeah oh I did want to say this but um he talks a lot about how to not be deceived with the intentions of the clothing industry and oh that was so interesting so I read a couple of those chapters this morning that was super interesting the impact of the media yes yeah or even just the designers themselves and you can see that with like the way that you know, leggings are portrayed as pants. And like, we just, as Christians can't be ignorant of how close, like bikinis are designed to be promiscuous. And Target is my prime example of how, when you like go search their, their like 20 year old section, it's just full of clothes that <laughs> make me think two things. You're trying to promote um, androgynous and gay culture. And then also just like promiscuity because yeah. of all the like midriff showing. and. Mm-hmm and all that stuff yeah Yeah. so it like if anyone reads this book for nothing else than just the history part that was fascinating and and like you said really eye-opening to like that it's not neutral that the clothing designers were not doing this just because they thought you know what would would be cute (laughs) like it wasn't just that it was a feminist agenda to pursue um promiscuity, sex outside of marriage. And Mm -hmm. also uh, it talks about the media and and impact of the media in here about um, like people were seeing that uh, scantily clad women increase sales of movies Mm -hmm. and like there was an agenda in all of it. And uh, there was, oh man, there was a really good part. I think I marked this one quote in here that was interesting. Okay. So this is a quote by an author, Ellen 
Melinkoff, author of What We Wore. And she's just talking about the overwhelming influence from like the 50s to the 80s ish of how like a huge swing and turn happened with um, modesty culture and modesty culture, whatever you want to call it. But she said, When we did like a style, it was often because we were set up to do so by the fashion industry, by television, by fashion magazines, by even mothers and men and best friends, by the overwhelming example set by the most popular girls, um, by suburbia and subbets, sub subbets, I think it's called, and which is it tells it down here that that means a girl in her middle teens. I'd never heard that word before. Sub subdebs, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, They were minor influences compared with television. TV opened up a world to us, including a fashion world. It let us see what people were wearing with an intensity and immediacy that we had never had. Before that time, we we relied on life magazine, fashion magazines, and movies for guidance on fashion. But those media were remote and told us... what a model or TV star had worn months ago. But with TV, we were seeing what stars were wearing tonight, right now. Um, And it had a huge impact on what people were wearing day to day. And I just thought that was really interesting about how um, the coming of television being in everyone's homes brought this like, oh, this is what people are wearing now. And it was just such an opportunity to like spread an agenda like crazy. It was wild. But if you want more information on history, there is like a really short video and it's called the evolution of the swimsuit by jessica ray have you seen that before she's she's actually like a swimsuit designer and she designed a modest swimsuit line but it's just the history of the swimsuit bikini um it's an interesting quick talk on the impact of immodesty in our society but um it's interesting she even there's like a little study on there of what happens in a man's brain when they see a woman in a bikini And uh, she said that it's actually, it lights up the part of the brain that um, is associated with like tools for working and how it just like completely dehumanizes women. And uh, again, like I've said this on here before, but it's just interesting because we think that with feminism and with exposing our body that we will gain love and intimacy and like a deep care um, Mm -hmm. from men, but it's not, it's the complete opposite that it's like completely dehumanizing when we pursue immodesty that we're seeing more as a tool and not as a human. And it's again, just lies um, that the enemy is used through the promotion of feminism yeah. with like, you can get love and power through being immodest and pr- promiscuous, but it's completely the opposite that those same men, whenever they saw a woman dressed modestly, that they, that it lit up the part of the brain that was with human contact. Again, proof that clothing isn't neutral, that it's yeah. not it's not for nothing, that it means something when people view us, whether it be in a bikini or in a modest dress, that mm-hmm. uh, that men and other humans, our children even, think certain things about us. And it's yeah. just the way that's just the way humanity is. And I but yeah, we I think we've really been trained by the media of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable if there is anything not acceptable at this point. Um, But instead of being trained, right, trained by scripture and by godly older women helping us and training us, we're just normalized to women wearing hardly any clothes. Yeah, we really are. And to add to that too, like listen to your husbands, they're going to be probably not as hard. Like you listen to their whispers, I think like Mm -hmm. small comments and you'll, you'll really tune into what they think is lovely and also immodest or modest. I like what you said. It'll probably be a whisper, like listen to their compliments. 
yeah and go from there like be a blessing mm-hmm. but there it, there are times where if something is questionable to me I'll be like what do you think about this or like are these jeans? I remember being pregnant and being like, are these jeans too tight now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there being a day like he was like, yes, it's, it's time for maternity jeans. <laughs> like, um, and that was a blessing to me. That was not something that I should have like grouched off about. And I didn't grouch off. I felt like it was a blessing. I asked him yeah. and I was thankful that he was protecting me in that way. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think that we should see it more as a protection and a blessing to have husbands that are willing to talk to us about that. Mm-hmm. I have two more comments. Um, one is, um, you guys touched on this a little bit when you talked, you and Lexi talked about the Dear Brian viral tweet, but there are, I think our culture thinks there are exceptions to places and times when we have, I think that's a really good point to bring up in this topic, but mm-hmm. I don't really have much more to say than what you and Lexi said, but yeah, like newborn babies, especially the swimming pool or lake or any water. Yeah. <laughs> Some reason modesty roots conscious modesty rules just like go out the window right for some weird reason like you no longer have to wear clothing just bra and underwear is acceptable if you're by water (laughs) and and I've been guilty of that in my past oh me too me too it's just like over the past couple years that I've got a Mm one-piece bathing suit I'm like completely honest yes completely honest myself too and and the other to go along with this the other comment that I was going to make was it it is admittedly really hard to find clothes that are modest and and feminine I think don't get discouraged about that I I love how you did an Instagram post the other day of saying like the thrift stores mm-hmm. can be your oyster if you if mm-hmm. you learn some sewing, some really mm-hmm. easy tools with your sewing machine make some darts or use some scissors like yeah. you can you can come up think of it as, as an opportunity like to be creative or we can live up to this challenge like we can create our own culture and we can come up with our own clothes yeah if we do if if we if we honestly can't find swimming suits that are modest I I tell you what I'm trying to find a swimsuit for Imogen she wears 5t and she I am having the hardest time finding a modest swimming suit for my toddler yeah but I'm just I'm gonna buy a one-piece swimming suit for for her and fashion my own little skirt out of whatever I can find (laughs) that's gonna be it it may not be the cutest but so what I mean is just we can't be just Encouraged by that and, and leave it as an excuse to dress in modest like we have to rise to the challenge and yeah. as homemakers try to figure out like how mm-hmm. can we dress our children modesty how can we dress our ourselves modest despite the clothing industry yeah so what are some resources then because you guys always look adorable I love all of the clothes that you dress your kids in and you you always have such cute clothes oh. give us some resources what are some places that you guys like to get clothing okay well, thank you so much for the compliment. I don't always feel that way. Um, let's see. Some of my favorite. So I, I do honestly like to make my own clothes. Like that is one of my favorite hobbies is just making my own clothes. And I I, can, I completely understand that other people might not like yeah. enjoy that. I was just going to tell you that I started Providence's Easter dress today. I know yeah. I've been talking about that. I printed off yeah. a pattern, started it today. I started cutting it out. You'll have to show, show me. I will. I'll send you pictures. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love to make my own clothes. There are so many patterns and you can find fabric pretty relatively cheap or cut up old stuff. But I know and understand that that's not everybody's favorite hobby or have time to to do that. Um, So honestly, one place that I can find skirts, especially, or modest dress that have like buttons for nursing, because I feel like I'm constantly nursing, um, is Sheen. 
And I know that that's like, it isn't local and it's from China, but a lot of clothing places buy their clothes from China anyways and resell yeah. them. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is one place that is probably my main place that I go if I'm not going to make it myself for myself. And then for my kids, H&M, and I don't love promoting them either, but they do have like feminine stuff and then boy stuff. And especially kids, they're like in a price range that we can afford. Yeah. And then I thrift. I, I'm like you. I love the thrift stores. Mm-hmm. You can find so much, so many good things. Yeah. And a lot of times like higher quality things than I would have been able to afford. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you there's no. So go ahead. I was just going to say, like, there's no way I would get like a Patagonia pullover, but I find yeah. them at thrift stores. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or even Facebook Marketplace. I get on yeah. there a lot. Just like search. There's an app I get on that's called Kidizen. K-I-D-I-V-E-N. And it's used clothes for kids. And I find like all sorts of things. Name brand Zara is one of my favorite that I'm, I'm just not willing to pay the full price for. Mm-hmm. But I will buy it. And it's really cute stuff. Really modest. Um, but yeah, thrifting. eBay. I'll even get on eBay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, what are some of your resources? Okay. Looks adorable. <laughs> you have older kids too. So that's. Yeah. That's so um, one thing with. I want to pursue feminine dress and I, I like dressing feminine. Um, but I don't, I don't personally like feeling girly. And in my mind, there's a difference between feminine and girly (laughs) and maybe no one else's brain works like mine, but just like my own personal style. And Mm -hmm. I think because I also like, I had an older brother, I was very influenced by an older brother and like, we're still really close and I love him. But like, I think when you do have an older brother, you just don't have like the same girly stuff. Maybe, maybe that's not everybody's growing up experience, but, um, we grew up out in the country and like, I, I'm just not super girly. Like I love dresses. It's not that I love feminine stuff, but in my mind, there's a difference between like girly and then also feminine. Like I'm cool with feminine, but I don't like like pink. I'm not like pink. I'm not like pink and like shiny. And I just, I don't, that's not me. Mm-hmm. So that sometimes the feminine talk um, like pursuing femininity is like a little bit hard for me because I like have to have that own categories in my brain of what femininity looks like in my life and how that plays out in my life. So like I loved, uh, I'm in the Rachel Jankovich webinar right now, and this is about motherhood. So I'm going to use her analogy, but use it for this. Um, she talked about with motherhood, how we are all playing our own instrument, but it's to the same tune. Oh, yeah. And I think it's that same with style. Mm -hmm. Like as long as you are in the bounds of like modest Mm -hmm. and feminine, like you are looking your gender and you're being modest, like play your tune, do play your instrument. Excuse me. Colors, whatever patterns. (laughs) Yeah. Like colors, patterns, style, like go for it. Whatever, whatever your style is, like, don't feel like you have to be boxed into like well, this is what the reformed Baptist 2022 woman wears. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that was just like a little side note because it helps my brain. <laughs> I think that's really helpful. We so, don't all have to look the same and wear the same cut dresses. Yeah. yeah. Um, because feminine dress for, and it's also been hard for me because I'm like, 
five foot tall and tiny and like mm-hmm. not a lot of clothes look good on me that will look good on other women. Like I, I go into old Navy and everything is like swimming on me. So like, <laughs> um, so it's, I have to have my own categories in my brain of like, this is how God made me. And this is how I can pursue beauty in my own life. And, um, so resources of like where I like to shop thrift store is like number one for our family. We yeah. like to go thrifting. Like even Jared enjoys going yard sailing. Like that's our spring and summertime activity is very fun for us. Like we get up on a Friday morning and the whole family, we all go pile in the car and go and see what treasures we can find. So I've got tons of my kids clothes at yard sales. And again, I'm able to find like name brand clothing that I wouldn't normally be able to afford. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you buy it secondhand, it's a lot cheaper and like knowing how to launder clothes decently. Well, you can like get things looking new with a little bit of work. So, um, thrifting yard sailing, all that. And yeah, you're right. Jared even finds things on, um, eBay and Facebook marketplace. Cause he has the certain Pendleton wool shirt that he's been very into this winter. So he's been, he's been ordering those online. But I think that is helpful. Like if you have, if you find a certain dress that you're like, man, these fit me perfectly. Like look on, I think there's, I haven't bought anything, but Poshmark and there's lots of those type of websites that um, you can find things a lot cheaper that may be even gently used, but um, much cheaper. So secondhand, I'm all about it. Knowing general sewing principles will get you so far um, because I've got so much clothes. It's like, I just like the fabric of this dress or skirt and I can make it fit me very easily by sewing simple uh, straight lines down the side seams and taking it in. It's like very simple. And we're going to do a sewing um, Titus two class at Christ church. I think it's in September. So yeah. we're going to all the Christchurch ladies go ahead and buy sewing machines at yard sales this summer because we're going to learn how learn how to sew. Um, and then as far as like stores, gosh, I don't even like, what do we like? Honestly, like thrifting is our biggest thing. I can't even think of, I, I do. I like H&M's clothes. We don't have one nearby. So it's, it's just online. If I um, pick up stuff for the kids at H&M. Yeah. I, I honestly can't think of any stores that I'm like, yeah, that one's my favorite for kids clothes or myself. Oh, Ross. I love Ross. Yeah, Ross. I love Ross. And it's, it's for sure. Like China clothes. It's cheap. Um, it's super cheap stuff, but every once in a while you can find things that are really, really cute there and they're very inexpensive and I have great luck finding shoes there. Oh yes. Yes. They have like, was it Franco Sarto? They have some really name brand stuff that's cheaper. I don't know why there, but yeah. And then there's this really awesome shoe store in Cape Girardeau. Next time you guys are in town, we'll have to go. We should go on a Cape Girardeau day when you guys are in Illinois next. It's like, awesome. it's like an hour away, but it's really fun. There's a lot of cool things to do, but they have a shoe store there that's called nearly perfect shoes. And they are shoes that like, maybe there's a stitch or something like something that you can't tell necessarily what's wrong, but there was a manufacturer defect of some sort that got, made them be sent to secondhand this shoe store. They're not secondhand like used, but they're just couldn't be sold like at journeys or something. Yes. So it's called nearly perfect shoes. They have that whole section. And then they have a section that's called near mates. And that's like shoes that were like one is off in the sizing. And those are very cheap. If you feel like having a half size off one shoe, (laughs) which I have bought a few before and they annoyed me. So I stick to the side that is just like a little bit off in some way. 
but it's a very fun shoe. I found Doc Martin boots. You know how I was wanting some Doc Martin boots. Yeah. These are the lace up ones, but they're still very cute. I love them. And they were very cheap. Oh, good. I'm glad you did. I was wearing mine yesterday and thought of you. Yeah. Um, let's see anything else. Oh, I, I just think embracing femininity as a God given blessing, just remembering that it is a blessing that we are women, that we are feminine women. And especially in an age like we are living in where everyone wants to war against being your gender and being blessed in your gender and being joyful in your gender. Um, I think it's a great time to just be like, yeah, I am a woman and this is what a woman looks like in a godly way. And just being joyful in that and seeing it as a blessing. Um, I think an easy way for me to, because um, I, was, I was talking to Jared, because there are definitely, I wear jeans and t-shirts lots. Like, it's not like I don't wear jeans and t-shirts. Yeah. Um, I love wearing dresses and I wear dresses and skirts a lot, but I also do wear jeans and t-shirts. I don't want it to come across like I don't ever. But uh, honestly, a way that I think I try to look feminine even in jeans and t-shirts is with hair. Like hair is an easy way to look feminine. Mm -hmm. Um, So like trying to make your hair look pretty is an easy way to look feminine and to glory in your femininity. In my opinion. Accessories or I think that that's likewise. We have days we move cows. So things get really dirty around here and we wear jeans and t-shirts for those Mm -hmm. I try to make my hair look pretty or wear some makeup or some jewelry. So yeah. I agree. Okay. Anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I think that's it. I think I said everything that I was thinking I would say. Okay. I thought that was really good. Okay, cool. All right. Well, if you guys have any good resources on clothing out there that's like modest but cute and not super girly. <laughs> no, it can be super girly too. Um, yeah. If you guys have a good resource there, out there, comment and let us know. I'm always looking for new places to get some fun dresses, mm-hmm. especially springtime. I'm like all about the dresses once it turns spring. Yes. yes. I agree. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening.